host of the Set Apart Podcast, Biblical Encouragement for Women of All Ages. This week, I'm excited to be diving into our second episode in my new series called My Spiritual Mentors. And in this series, I am unpacking spiritual lessons that I've gleaned from women in Christian history that I've studied. And as I shared in our first episode in this series, sometimes I've been walking through things in my life, in fact, many different seasons, where I just longed for someone who had gone before me, who had walked a similar path, or who had been through similar struggles, who could speak truth into my life. And I found so much richness in studying the lives of men and women who have gone before me throughout Christian history. And so I'm going to be highlighting some women that I haven't really covered as in-depth in this podcast. We do have some episodes already on Amy Carmichael and Corey Ten Boom and some others, which I'll link in the podcast description for this series. But in the next few episodes, at least, I'm going to unpack the lives of some lesser known women that have really impacted my life, just everything that I've read and learned about them. Before I jump in, I wanted to let you know that it's not too early to make plans to join us in 2024. You can register now for our 2024 Set Apart Conference, which is happening in June, and early bird pricing is still available for the next few months. Or you can think about joining us at Ellerslie for either a five-week or a one-week discipleship training program. This is really a season of going deeper with Jesus, becoming immersed in truth, becoming grounded in your faith, and meeting like-minded believers from all around the world. So it's a really amazing experience. Just go to ellerslie.com if you'd like to learn more about that, or you can click the links in this podcast description. Let's dive into spiritual lessons from Lillian Trasher. Lillian Trasher was an American missionary to Egypt, and she actually started the first Christian orphanage in Egypt. And when she went, it was 1910, she went as an independent missionary, just trusting God to lead her and provide for her and open doors for her. So it took a lot of courage for her to step out and do that as a single woman without really a church or a mission board supporting her. Within three months of arriving in Egypt, her life work was made clear. She was given a malnourished baby to take care of by an Egyptian mother who was dying. And the ministry where she was staying didn't support her taking care of this baby. They wanted her to return the child to its family. But she knew that if she did that, the child would most likely die. So she left this ministry where she had been staying and kind of getting acclimated and rented a small house with a little bit of money that she had, bought a few pieces of furniture and started that as the first orphanage in Asut, Egypt. By 1923, that orphanage was housing hundreds of children and widows as well, and she had 300 children and widows under her care. A lot of times the orphanage ran out of food, but miraculous help always came just in the nick of time. Reminds me a lot of George Mueller's ministry when he had an orphanage in Bristol, England, and they really ran their orphanage on the power of prayer. She talks about in her biography that the entire orphanage woke up one morning and didn't have anything to eat. They didn't even have leftovers, not even day-old bread. They didn't even have sour milk from the day before. So they all gathered around the empty table and began thanking God for the wonderful meal he was going to send them. And as soon as they were done praying, a truck pulled up to the back of the orphanage and unloaded sacks of flour and rice and grain and crates of milk and bread and eggs. It was just the gift from an anonymous donor. And that happened very frequently as she ran her orphanage. From her beginnings in 1910 until her death in 1961, Lillian cared for literally thousands of orphans and widows. When she died in December of 1961, she had become known all over the world as the mother of the Nile. 
So really amazing. And a lot of times we can see the summary of someone's life who has done something very notable, very heroic, and very noble as she did. And again, start to think, okay, well, that's for special Christians. She must have been uniquely qualified. There's no way I could ever do that. But I just think about the strain and the stress of one woman being responsible for hundreds and hundreds of lives and not knowing where each meal was coming from and just completely relying on the power of God. That is a heavy weight to carry. And yet she did it so joyfully and so beautifully. But as I've studied her life, I've recognized that there are some principles and key moments in her life where she embraced the narrow way of the cross as a purposeful decision. And going through each of these principles, I hope you'll be encouraged to realize that these men and women that we study about in Christian history who did seemingly great and epic things were just ordinary men and women who believed in the power of an extraordinary God, and they didn't hold anything back. They allowed him to have their entire life. So I want to walk through a few key moments and principles that I've seen in Lillian Trasher's life that have impacted me personally. And the first one is that she chose the best over the good. And what I mean by that is it's very easy to map out our life and our direction, and it may be a very good direction, but sometimes we fail to take a step back and ask God, is this really your best? It's really easy to think we know what's going to be best for us rather than letting God make that decision. So in 1905, when Lillian was 17 years old, her dream was to go into a career as a newspaper sketch artist. She was a very talented illustrator. And so she went for a job interview and she had all of her sketches with her. And when she was on the train to this job interview, she met a woman who sat next to her on the train who ran an orphanage in the States. And they hit it off really well. They had a great connection. And the woman actually invited her to come and help at this orphanage. But Lillian had her own agenda. So she politely said no and went to her job interview. And she made a very good impression at the newspaper and they offered her the job, but they said, we can't finalize anything because the man who's going to get everything set up for you is sick. So come back in a couple of days. But by the time she showed up again, a couple of days later, there had been a bizarre mistake made, a misunderstanding, and the job had been given to someone else. So her dream of being a newspaper artist came crashing down But she went home and she prayed and she cried out to God and she laid her dreams and her hopes at Jesus' feet. She made a decision that she wouldn't just pursue her own personal happiness or her own idea of what would be good for her life. She wanted to fully and completely surrender to whatever God had called her to do, even if it was very different from the life that she had always wanted. So as a result of that decision, she did go and help the woman who had the orphanage in America, and it was in North Carolina, and she poured out for these young children and just found really her passion, which was to minister to children, vulnerable children that needed advocates. And she often thought about how much fulfillment she would have missed if she had just clung to what she thought was good in her life rather than waiting for God's best. And again, we so often have our own idea of how things should unfold in our lives or even in specific situations. And then we end up settling for the good over the best because we don't let God have total control. We need to remember as her life illustrated that God's ways are always higher than our ways. It was that decision to go volunteer at the orphanage in North Carolina that gave her a passion to go to the mission field. And she ended up having one of the most successful and amazing orphan ministries in Egypt. When I look back in my own life at the different closed doors, things that I really felt should have happened a certain way, and how disappointed I felt when something didn't move forward the way that I thought it should, in every case, when I look back, I realized God was closing that door so that he could give me his best rather than allowing me to settle for what I thought was good. 
And God protected me so many times from making wrong decisions so that he could show me his best for my life. Sometimes a closed door really is God's protection and redirection into something even better, even though we can't always see the end of that story right away. He really does work all things together for good for those who love him. But we have to trust him completely in order for him to do that miracle in our lives. Amy Carmichael has a famous statement that says, in acceptance lies peace. And she wrote that from a place of being an invalid where she couldn't really get up and move around and go do the ministry work that she used to be able to do because she had fallen and gotten hurt and she was bedridden for the last 20 years of her life. And she didn't always understand why God had closed the door to the type of ministry she had been doing. But in doing that, he opened a door to a completely new kind of ministry. She wrote most of her books that are still available today and have encouraged so many from that place of being unable to leave her bedroom. And she wrote, In Acceptance Lies Peace. She was very joyful, very peaceful, even though that was not an easy circumstance for her to be in. When I look at the women that I look up to in history, they all seem to have that common thread. They were able to accomplish amazing things for God, but in every case, God first had to walk them through a season where they learned how to declare within their soul and within their lives, not my will, but yours be done. So my encouragement to you through this example is to choose God's best and not just settle for the good, what you think might be good in a certain situation, but really wait for God's best. And if there is a closed door, take that as a redirection or a protection and know that God will reveal something even better for you if you completely leave your life in his hands. Another principle I see in Lillian's life is the principle of saying yes at any cost. I've often quoted Betty Scott Stam, who was a missionary to China and actually became a martyr in China, saying, Lord, use me as you will work through my life at any cost. And those words inspired missionaries all around the world, including Elizabeth Elliot. And I really see that same principle in Lillian's life as well. Two weeks before she was to be married to a very godly young minister named Tom, she went to hear a missionary speak at a local church. And the whole time he was speaking, she just felt such a weight and a burden on her heart. She knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that God was calling her to go. She didn't know what country to go to. She didn't know what exactly her mission would be, but she knew she was being called to be a foreign missionary for the rest of her life. And this is two weeks before her wedding day. When she's in her early 20s, everything's ready. Everything's in place. She has this amazing fiance and she's feeling God say, walk away from that because I have something different for you. And it was a definitely a soul searching wrestling time with a lot of tears. But finally she came to that place where she laid down her right to be married, her right to keep this engagement or her right to a specific kind of life that she had planned for herself and said, okay, Lord, I'll go where you called me to go. And in her biography, there's a really powerful moment where she tells a close friend, God has called me to pour out my life on the mission field and I can't refuse him, not even for Tom. To have that willingness to say yes at any cost, to give up things that seem so important to us, to say yes to God, that's a rare quality, and yet God can so work through our lives when we're willing to say yes at any cost. Any missionary or Christian hero that I've studied who has walked that path, God has so blessed their fruitfulness for his kingdom and so made an internal impact through their lives because they're no longer clinging to anything that they have. They've laid their life completely at his feet. And what I often say is that the 
Christian men and women that I most look up to have one thing in common that is unconditional availability to God. And that might be a scary thing, especially if you're single or if you have a specific life direction that you're really clinging to and it's really what you want. And then God begins to nudge you in a different direction. It's really, really scary to let go of what we, what we want and say yes to God at any cost. And yet God always pours out his blessing when we are willing to walk that path. Another principle that I see in Lillian's life is childlike faith and obedience. When she first got to Egypt, as I mentioned earlier in this episode, she was given this dying baby by an Egyptian mother who asked her to take care of this baby. And she knew that if she didn't take this child in, the child would very likely die. And she wasn't supported by the missionaries she had joined up with there in Egypt. So she was just completely on her own using the little bit of money that she had to rent a house and start an orphanage with one child in it. And God just began to supply her every need in miraculous ways. She went through some really hard times. Just a little bit after starting her orphanage, she had received three or four more children. And she and another one of the children caught the bubonic plague and almost died. And they went through a lot of other really just challenging experiences, but God always protected them and always provided for them. And she got to a point after she had actually purchased a building and had uh, several hundred children under her care, she was trying to care for the children and teach them and raise them and also go out on her donkey every few days and try to raise money and just explain what she was doing with these children so people would be aware and could give. And one day she finally just fell to her knees and said, God, I can't be a fundraiser for this ministry and also care for all these children and do a a good job at both. So I'm going to let you be the fundraiser for this ministry. And so from that day forward, she never asked for donations or went out on her donkey, you know, telling everybody what she was doing. She just allowed God to bring supply to her. And every single time he did, when we take those kinds of steps of obedience, when we have childlike faith, God always backs us up. I've seen in my own life, especially when I take steps of obedience and I have a childlike faith when it comes to standing for the weak and the vulnerable and advocating for people that God has put in front of me to stand for. That's when I really begin to see the miracles of God. I can say that in each one of our four adoptions, we saw so many miracles because God backs us up when we take steps of obedience and we step forward with a childlike faith, even though we don't really know how it's all going to work out. We know that God is faithful. Another principle that I saw in Lillian Trasher's story was the power of prayer. And this really piggybacks off the previous one, childlike faith and obedience. When you recognize that you have a God without limits, a God of the impossible who is on your side, who is willing to back you up and meet your needs, it makes you very courageous and bold. Lillian was raising hundreds of children during different wars and times of political unrest and times of plague. And so she was really having to completely lean on God through everything. But probably the lowest position or the most challenging position she was ever in happened during the Second World War, because by that time she had 900 children and over 100 widows in her care. And because of the war, American Christians that had been supporting the orphanage were not able to get supplies to them. Everything was sort of closed. There was just no way to get money or supplies into the orphanage. And even the little money that she had, it wouldn't go very far because the price of everything went up during the war. So by September of 1941, the children's clothes were in tatters and everyone was down to eating one half cup of lentils a day. They were basically on the brink of starvation. And I can't even imagine being in that position to have about a thousand people dependent on you and not have anything to give them. 
Now, as I look back over my years of marriage and motherhood, I know what it's like to be in a grocery store trying to stretch a small amount of money to feed a large family for a week. I know what it's like even to sit in a hospital room during my child's surgery that's taking a lot longer than it should without word from the nurse or doctor. I know what it's like to go through a drama-filled 29-month adoption process and wondering if it will ever end. And I know what it's like to feel misjudged and misunderstood and not really feel like I can do anything about it. Those are some of my more challenging seasons over the past 20 plus years. But one thing I can say is I don't know what it's like to have a thousand orphans and widows under my care to clothe and feed in the middle of a war when no helper supplies are anywhere to be found and to see everyone under my care on the brink of starvation. That is a pressure I cannot relate to. And everyone referred to her as Mama Lillian, and I can't even imagine being the mama of that many people and not having a solution. She cried out to God knowing that he was her only hope. At times, she thought about just shutting the orphanage down and sending the children away to just different families, but there were too many of them. And so she knew that her only hope was to cry out to God and say, Lord, we're going to die unless you intervene. And so one day when they were really at their lowest point, she suspended all school and all work and asked everybody in the orphanage to pray and to cry out to God for help. They prayed all through the day and all through the night. And she recalled hearing some of the girls pray and cry out to God with such faith, knowing that he would help them. They didn't know how, but just standing in faith, Lord, we know you see us and we know you will help us. The next morning after they had had this all night prayer time, there was a telegram that came in the morning and it was from the American ambassador in Egypt. And she went to go see him. She had no idea why she was being called to go meet with him. But he said, do you have a need for supplies at this time? And she said, yes, we actually do. We're, we're struggling a lot because of the war. And he told her that there had been a Red Cross ship carrying relief supplies. And it was nearing Greece when word came that Greece had fallen to its enemies. And so the ship was ordered back to Alexandria to await further orders. And then it was feared that the ships in the Alexandria Harbor would be attacked. So that ship, that Red Cross ship, was ordered to dump out its cargo and head out to sea under the cover of darkness. There was one sailor, a young Scottish sailor, aboard that ship, and he knew about Lillian's orphanage. So he begged the captain to unload the cargo instead of dumping it in the sea. He told the captain about Lillian's orphanage because he had given money to the orphanage in the past. He and his mother had prayed for the children in the orphanage every day. And at first the captain resisted because it was a lot more trouble to unload the cargo versus just dumping it in the sea. But the sailor just wouldn't back down. So they very quickly and hurriedly unloaded the ship before dawn and someone took the supplies to a warehouse. And then the American ambassador was told about it and told about her orphanage. So he called her and said, do you have need of these supplies? She went to Alexandria to see the cargo that had been brought to the warehouse from this ship. And the abundance of the provision that God had given her just took her breath away. There were 2,600 dresses, 1,900 handmade sweaters, 1,900 boys' pants, 3,800 blankets, 1,100 towels, 1,200 sacks of rice, and the numbers went on and on. Food and clothing that kept the orphanage afloat throughout the rest of the war. That is the power of prayer. 
we serve the same God as Lillian Trasher. You know, it's really easy to look at miraculous stories like this and think, well, that was for a different time or it only happens once every few generations. But let's never forget that we serve the same God as these men and women who saw the power of prayer in such incredible ways. Let's learn how to make him our first turn, even when we're facing impossible situations, because we serve the God of the impossible. And it says that the eyes of the Lord are searching to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself faithful on behalf of those whose heart is perfect toward him. And he's ready and looking for those who are willing to trust him like that. The people that I most look up to in Christian history seem to have accomplished amazing things for the glory of God. But like I said earlier, they didn't just wake up one day and decide to do something notable. In fact, most of them never set out to do anything notable. They were just taking one step of obedience at a time. And there were many hard moments of having to cry out to God and not know if they were going to make it and wrestle in prayer and learn how to trust them and learn how to lay down their own agenda and surrender to him at any cost. There were many moments of tears, many moments of choosing to trust and obey, even when they couldn't see the end of the story and God rewarded them with his faithfulness. I would encourage you no matter what you're walking through today or how impossible your circumstances seem to remember that God is still in the midst of writing your story. All of the challenges, all of the soul wrestlings, all of the impossible circumstances that you have faced or may be facing. He's using all of those things to write an amazing heavenly story that will impact the world for his glory. He does that when we refuse to let go of him, when we refuse to let go of his promises. These principles that we see in Lillian Trasher's life are things that each of us can apply right now where we're at starting today. So my encouragement to you is to look at your life and say, Lord, in what ways can I be choosing your best over what I may think of as good? In what ways are you calling me to say yes at any cost, even if it means walking away from things that are important to choose your best? In what ways are you calling me to walk in childlike faith and obedience? And in what ways do you want to show me the power of prayer? When we begin to apply these kinds of principles to our lives, we will automatically find that God is working miraculously through us on a daily basis, impacting others through us and writing an amazing story for us because he is faithful. He cannot be anything but faithful. When we trust him completely, when we make ourselves available to him completely, that's how Christian heroes are made. I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode. If you'd like to go deeper into living a set-apart life, I encourage you to visit our website, setapart.org, and look at the many resources that we have for you there. I pray you have a blessed and Christ-centered week.